Before we get into episode two of Sullivan Street, a Counting Crows podcast, just a few quick announcements. Number one, I want to thank you for listening to episode one and your positive feedback and comments. We really do appreciate it. If you do have any particular comments or questions, or maybe you even want to be a guest on the podcast at some point, please email us at Sullivan Street PC. That's Sullivan Street spelled out PC for podcast at protonmail.com. And last, this is a, a two-part episode of our ranking and review of August and everything after, part one right now, and part two coming up in a couple weeks. Enjoy. Take the way home, leads back. Welcome to episode two of Sullivan Street. I am Eric Vogelsang, and today we're going to rank and get into the Cannon Crow's most uh, uh, famous, I guess, or popular album as far as uh, units sold goes, August and everything after. But first, let's talk to our co-hosts. As always, we have Chris Miggs. Chris, how are you today? Hey, I'm good. I'm, and I'm really uh, appreciative of the positive feedback we got on the first episode. Glad people enjoyed it. And glad to start kind of down the journey of, of looking at, you know, looking at the records, looking at the different things we want to discuss and uh, really diving in and really glad to have a couple of guests today to do that with us. Yes, we could not. We could not. You know, a record that started at all, if you will, we could not do that without. Uh, and if we're doing the quote unquote official ranking tongue in cheek, we couldn't do that without two more super fans. And so the first, let us introduce uh, Jeremy Harris from Arizona. Uh, Jeremy, how are you today? And also, well, anyway, how first, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing great. I'm really happy to be here, and I appreciate you guys uh, including me in this episode here. No, and thank you for joining us. So can you tell us a bit about, we like to ask everybody, uh, what got you into Counting Crows? What brought you to it? Why do you keep coming back? Why did you write me and say, hey, this podcast is great? <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, so for me, it was uh, around late high school. Um, you know, uh, Mr. Jones was on the radio all over the place. And, you know, everybody was talking about how much they loved it. And this was a time in my life when I started really getting into uh, the lyrics of a song and really looking a little bit deeper into it. It wasn't just the poppy radio stuff I wanted to hear. And what kind of drew me to it was that all these people are saying, you know, this is such a great song. It's so happy. They're dancing around at the school dances. And for me, somebody who's trying to look a little bit deeper into the lyrics, I'm thinking this is not a happy song. This is this is kind of an awful <laughs> song. <laughs> you know, not not that it's an awful song, but just the message behind it is so much sadder than the tone of the song comes across if you're not paying attention. Um, and then I, I just kind of listened to the whole album all the way through. And that was that was one of the first albums, I think, in my life where I could listen to it, you know, cover to cover and just enjoy all of it. And that's what really stood out to me um, and kind of what kept me coming back for more with the Counting Crows. Fantastic. It, yeah, it is. Oh, in like re-listening to the record, it's sort of, I, you know, I'm, obviously we'll get into like we're ranking these songs. But the song that I have 11th would probably be my favorite song from a bunch of different bands you know it is one of those still like classic kind of all the way through records great thanks thank 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 you thank you jeremy thank you chris and let's go to our other guest here you go dan pilling originally from the uk Say yeah hello, hey thanks for having me 
So, yeah, I grew up in the UK, but now live in Seattle, Washington. I've uh, been here for about eight and a half years. Uh, I uh, I got exposed to the crows while I was uh, at school as well. And I remember a Q magazine, which was a music magazine in the UK. Uh, and every month they would produce a, a CD on the magazine. And it would have a set of songs. And, uh, and this magazine, this particular one, had 14 songs had the likes of Jamaraquai, Oasis, Stone Roses. Uh, and at number 14 on this this album uh, was Round Here by Cannon Crows. And it just blew me away. Uh, and I can still remember where I was the very first time I played that CD. And that got me hooked for life. Uh, I didn't get to see them the first time they came to the UK, uh, but did get to see them on the Recovering the Satellites tour. Uh, and they played the Royal Albert Hall, which is a, a significant music venue in the UK. So I've just been hooked since then, and uh, 38 concerts later, I've got two more lined up this summer, and uh, yeah, just love them. Great, thanks so much. The kind of super fans we're looking for. <laughs> <laughs> and I do, I will say, I miss, I used to love like getting those record, uh, those music magazines that had CDs attached to them, especially because in, in the US, if you saw like Q or any of the other ones that had that, it was also, it was, a, it was an import, you know, I mean, this is what's happening on the other side of the pond. You know what I mean? It was always a very, very, very big deal. I miss those. Those CDs were kind of awesome. I guess they just speak playlists now, but it's not quite the same. So let's now get into August and Everything After, why, why we are all here today. As I said, the album that started it all. Uh, so first, I guess, before we start ranking them, let's go one by one and talk about, I guess, our first exposure to the album as a whole, or, you know, why you bought it, how you bought it, if you remember, was there a particular uh, single that, that that attracted you to go buy it? Uh, Dan, let's go back to you. Yeah, I mean, Round Here introduced me to the band, and then I bought the album. Uh, and for me, it, it's my favorite album of all time. It's an album I tend to gift to people. Uh, so, uh, you know, it, it's just, for me, it's just a fantastic album from start to finish, and you know, it's, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's up there for me. What's the best experience you've had gifting it to someone? I think people then buy me concert tickets and taking me to a concert. So uh, I had a good friend of mine and uh, he, uh, yeah, he, he bought tickets uh, for the next tour and didn't tell me and then was like, Hey, what are you doing the weekend? Not much. Uh, we're going to go see Counting Crows. Kind of so uh, I think that's probably the best. Yeah. Has anyone else had anything like that? Not I, that's a great idea to gift the CD or, or whatever, even I guess now you have to gift the MP3. But I, I, I love the idea of forcing, yeah. I did randomly a lot, not for this, but just on along the same lines. I forced somebody recently to listen to Holiday in Spain like six months ago, and he just and he's like, Oh, yeah, it's good. He just wrote me this week and said, You know what? That song is really, 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 really good, and they're not a cruise fan, so. Jeremy, what about you? What about your memory with August and everything after? So I distinctly remember that this was the first album I ever bought on cassette and then immediately followed up and bought the CD after I got my CD player, which was, you know, probably only a couple months apart. Um, and that took me down the long rabbit hole of replacing all of these old tapes that I had. But, you know, what August and everything after means to me, uh, it's a it's a CD that I'll get out and play for people and just talk to them about what the songs mean to me, like we're gonna do you know, here today. And I think, I think you can really learn a lot about a person through their interpretation of a song, right? Mm -hmm. So I, you, know, you want them to be fans also. 
Um, but not just that, you just want them to understand how you feel about the music, how this music makes you feel. And maybe, you know, if you can give some insight into the writing of the song, you know, um, I know Adam gives us some snippets sometimes about his thought process. And I like to share, you know, just some extra knowledge with the people that listen to the song with me. Fantastic. Yeah, I, I like what you said about it tells a lot about the personality, about how they interpret the song. I guess maybe this is what I don't want our listeners to know about my psyche once we get into <laughs> some of the, what kind of deep thoughts are in his mind. Yeah, yeah it's but, not uh, always the best. <laughs> Chris, what about yourself? So I, you know, I think I'm a little bit an outlier of the group here in that I, as I may have mentioned on the last show, I think, but yeah, I didn't, you know, I heard the songs initially, the rate, you know, in the radio, Mr. Jones around here, but, uh, you know, I was a little bit younger. I was about uh, I was ten when the record came out, so ten, eleven when the record was was really, really big, and you know I didn't buy it at the time. I ended up buying Recovering the Satellites and had sort of a longer sort of journey, and I went back and bought the record when I was a freshman in college. And part of the thing that did strike me in listening to the record again for however many of the time, but listening to it as I was ranking it this week was I it kind of makes sense to me in retrospect because that, that I didn't latch onto it when I was younger. Cause it's kind of a record you need to have like lived and had some experiences for like mm. what a lot of this is speaking to is, you know, these feelings. And I think it's a very great sort of late high school, like college record because all these feelings of, of trying to figure out who you are and, and maybe being a little ashamed of that sometimes and maybe not liking who you are, but like wanting to connect with people that's kind of comes out in the themes of it that kind of makes it, well, it's like, whoa, that metal uh, really hits you if you're, if you're 19, maybe I don't think would have hit me all the way through when I was 11, you know? But yeah, bought, bought that uh, Ardmore, Ardmore music in, in suburban Philadelphia. If anyone, I think they're still around. I think they moved a little bit further down the road. I think Ardmore music is like technically in Bryn Mawr now. But if you ever find yourself driving through, driving down, you know, I-30 on suburban, in suburban Philadelphia, you know, Pennsylvania, Lancaster Ave. No, you make a good point. I'm sure we'll talk about that throughout here in the podcast about this coming of it. it you're exact. I was trying to think when I've heard Adam interviewed recently about like why the album resonates with with individuals and why they're still super fan. Because it is kind of a coming of age album. And I like what you said, because even... Yes, there are the, you know, teeny bopper pop songs that talk about love and, you know, a lot of songs talk about love. But this is, yeah, the love I think that he talks about in this album is that first, I don't know how to say, right? True, but maybe first love you have as a, right, is it mature, right? A mature, maybe 19-year-old compared to a 15-year-old where you have that complication of trying to figure out who you are exactly and, and trying to figure yourself, right? You're out, yeah. 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 My, uh, yeah, it's funny. I thought about this and I think I'd like to think I have a photographic memory and I could not. And like you, uh, Jeremy, I also had the tape and then went to, and I actually thought about this. This was the first album. Um, I think I've ranked, uh, I think I mentioned here that I've had it. I think I've had like five different copies of it and not that I bought multiple because I had the tape and then I think at some point I eventually got the CD, I guess maybe a year later, because you're right, it was on that cusp. 
and I had the CD. I'm right. And I think at the time I only had, right. I only, my only CD player also had a tape and then the car had the tape. So I thought, why do I need a CD? But I'm like, well, I like the album so much. I'll just have to buy the CD. And then my friend, my, as I mentioned in the first podcast, my, my best friend from high school, he, he got me the, uh, I don't know if any of you seen, I guess it was the first remaster and it was gold plated. I don't know if any of you mm, the, saw the that, mobile but, fidelity, the sound. Yes, right? yes. And he knew I was such a, a diehard fan. And then someone was like, oh, it's just the same CD, but better. Does, does it sound better? <laughs> no, not at least in my system. <laughs> yes, right. But I loved having it because it was such a, a special album for me. So, you know, I don't remember. And then I got the, and now that's the one I own. I bought the what deluxe edition because it has all the extra tracks. Mm. And then I kind of joke and bought the MP3 of what is it live at town hall. So, you know, it's basically, of course it's different, but I said, yeah, I've had five, you know, I, so I don't remember actually buying the tape. I, the other ones I kind of remember getting at certain times, but yes, I kind of said the last time, I, I guess my memory is just that it kind of hooked me. And, and, you know, I guess I've had other albums that every song is great. I mean, you go back to even, I don't know, Michael Jackson's Thriller or something, you can say, mm-hmm. well, every song here is really good. Or some of the, I don't know, I, I like the Beastie Boys' first album. I was like, but there's something about this with at all levels. And I was just like, this is incredible. And then it wasn't until subsequent releases that I realized that maybe how special the band was. But I knew that this particular album was special so okay so uh let's start off with um the official official rankings cannot but by, by the way of course as, as a lot of, a lot of you said when you sent me your rankings ahead of time you're like this change from last year this i uh, was debating four five and seven for three hours this week so obviously these these lists change, and if we had different fans on, or if we talked to us, uh, I know that if you had me write the list a year ago, it would have been or five years ago, it would have been different. Um, get so, Chris, did, did, so does your the, list change what, a lot? <laughs> well, I so what I did, I did a very unsigned because I knew if I I would take like the whole week if I if I really tried to really break it down. So what I did was I kind of like I listened to the record and I sort of ranked it as it went. I tried to sort of just kind of put it and let that feeling in the moment sort of resonate and i was kind of surprised at a couple of them i was surprised a couple things that came out lower than i thought which i'll I'll guess we'll talk about but i'm curious let's start what is what is number 11 and then we'll start talking about where we had it and what's what's our number 11 song here all right number 11 on our list the lowest ranking but that it's like it's like ranking your children right uh you love them all just some better than others all right so uh number 11 which Two of us had as their lowest ranking song, and another two had it, you know, also pretty low, but not the, the last, was Ghost Train. So, Dan, why don't you start off commenting about Ghost Train, why you ranked it, or just any other memories of the song or anything? Yeah, I, I think to your point, firstly, I, I don't think there's a bad song on the album. So it's it's tough to choose as you kind of go through this stuff. The other thing that had a big influence on me is when hearing them live, I think they have a you know, a higher impact on my list. Uh, and Ghost Train is one that doesn't tend to get played as, as often live. So, I, you know, I, I've got a recording of it, but I don't have a live experience in my head of it. Mm. Uh, and that's, that's kind of why I put it at number 11, just because, you know, 11 great songs, but there always has to be one at 11 and, and Ghost Train's mine. Absolutely. Jeremy, what about yourself? Um, I actually had it ranked at 11 as well. Um, I was kind of surprised. I thought I was going to be the outlier here and I was going to get beat up, but I'm kind of glad to see that's not the case. 
you know, it, it is a good song, like we said. It's just it doesn't resonate with me um, quite the same way that some of the others do. It, I just don't find it quite as relatable. Um, and maybe I just don't know the deeper meaning behind it. But it's just it's not one that I'll skip, but it's never been one of my favorites either. Yeah, I had it at number 10. So just a slight step above. And yeah, it's a good I mean, not a bad song at all. I kind of like the lyrics to it. The idea of like, is a, a love is a ghost train, like you're you know dragging all these like things behind you when you're with someone, which is kind of nice. Uh, it's kind of nice, but it's kind of interesting. You know, remember everything she says when only memory remains is a pretty good line. But yeah, just as a live, it's kind of, I don't know, it's, it's not, it's not as exciting a song musically. It doesn't sort of, I, I feel like some of the other songs have, in addition to the lyrics, some musical moments that are really like spectacular. And I feel like Ghost Train is a good song. There's nice, just a couple of, you know, live, there's some good guitar solos there, but it doesn't, again, this doesn't hit me the same way as some of the other ones. Yeah, I'll have to, I got to rework my spreadsheet to see what songs I've seen live and most of them I know about. I don't think I saw Ghost Train live, but it's interesting, Dan, when you commented about the live that Ghost Train, of course, is, uh, and we'll mention this in a future episode, is in the um, Across the Wire so that is one where they tried to uh, right play, play it a little different, like you, Chris. So I had it. Uh, I had it. I guess I want to say much higher. I had it number eight. Mm. So I actually, I think I, I even remember writing my friend Todd like twelve years ago and saying Ghost Train might be their most underrated song from that album. So I've always known that I had it a little higher than others. And like you said, Chris, that actually line about like only memories remain or something that 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 line i think is not i don't know if it's one of his best but it certainly haunted me and still haunts me a little bit to this day this idea of you know right every day that we go anything else is in the past and what you remember about it and sometimes you don't remember things and then it's almost like it never happened, right? Or if you have someone in your family struggling with Alzheimer's or something mm. like that. And when you think about, right, uh, relationships that end, the only thing you have are uh, memories after that. I also think this is kind of esoteric, but I, I almost think that that kind of chorus, how do you do? I, I That's tough to, I, I'm, I don't know if I ever heard anybody cover it. I think that would be really tough to sing. I think he, mm. I'm not even saying it's the best chorus, but I don't think anybody could sing it better than Adam. Like the tone and pitch wise, I was re-listening to that. I'm like, that takes a lot of skill to sing it how he did. I don't know. It's kind of a random thought. It is also interestingly, I was, because the point about the live, it is there, it is the next to last played song in terms of plays, at least according yes. to setlist.fm, which I think is going to, is relatively accurate. That's right. And the, the lowest one, I actually think it's, it's a little bit of a, uh, asterisk because the, the one that's lowest is raining in Baltimore, which of course is an alternate many times. And probably if you tally up the alternates, cause they played that a lot, like probably would be ahead, you know, of ghost train. So ghost train is sort of the, the low man on the totem pole in that regard. Although there's a couple that are surprisingly close. I'm, I will talk about them as we get there, but just interesting point that it is. One no, of that the, is interesting. Yeah. That ghost train and raining in Baltimore probably are uh, played the least amount. And okay, so here we go now, number 10. And I guess I'll preface by saying that I think by casual listeners, particularly the rank of all four of us together, 
this was probably the most surprising ranking. So coming in at number 10, some people had it at their lowest, uh, some people quite higher, is played all the time in concert, which would be Omaha. So Dan, talk first about Omaha, and you might be surprised because you had it fairly high. Yeah, super surprised. And <laughs> it's funny because the, the tour is kicking off in Omaha and I'm due to go. So oh, my, oh my wow. Item is, uh, I want to hear them play Omaha in Omaha, but <clears throat> yes. knowing Adam, <laughs> he could choose not to. <laughs> <laughs> he will. He played it a lot so yeah, recently. Uh, <laughs> I just, I mean, I love that song, especially live, you know, when you've got that accordion with, with Charlie at the front, you know, when he comes to the front of the stage. and Yeah. So for me, that was my number five. Oh, interesting. Well, yeah. Let's. I had, it, I had it. I had it number sorry, eleven. I, I would say I, I had it number eleven, and really just because, in part, I think they've kind of like overplayed it a little bit live. That I, I, I feel like a little bit. I've lost. If there was a different time where they were playing it less frequently, I feel like it's lost some of its luster to me. Maybe just because I've heard it so many times in concert. Hey, Jeremy, what about you and your ranking of Omaha? I actually had it at number 10, so I'm, I'm sticking true to form here so far with our average. Um, again, I like the song. If it comes on the radio, I will listen to it, and I will sing every word of it. And same thing in concert. I love hearing it. It's just, to me, it, it, it almost sounds, it was, sounds like it was written just for radio, to be a radio single. And I'm not actually sure if it ever was. Um, but it just comes across as very poppy to me, which is okay. But it just, again, kind of, kind of like with Ghost Train, I just don't feel the meaning behind it as much as some of the others. And uh, again, a great song. I don't want to bash it. If anybody's listening and they're a big <laughs> Omaha fan, don't, uh, don't send me hate mail, but just, just doesn't do it for me. Like some of the others. Yeah. And yeah, that's, I'll, I will I'll, say so too, the lyric, the lyrical aspect of it. I do think that's part of why it's down. And just in terms of like connections to my, the, the lyrics are great, but don't connect to me the same way. I'm glad you asked that. I was gonna uh, before we went to the rankings. I was actually gonna say a couple things about the album, um, but one of them that I was gonna say is at least that I did with my quick uh, reference check because I had to check myself. Um, I, obviously, I knew Mr. Jones and Round Here were official singles, but I guess official singles were Mr. Jones, Round Here, then Omaha, then Rain King, and actually Murder of One, at least in some places in some markets, where it was released as a single. So uh, I think the only three I heard on the radio were Mr. Jones around here and, around, and Rain King. Uh, I had Omaha, actually, I, I'm with you, Dan. I, I had it higher. And in fact, I think if you asked me like three years ago, I might have had it as number four. Uh, but I, I knocked it down to number six. So I still had it right in the middle. And, and the one thing I, I, you know, I agree with what you say about the lyrics, et cetera. And I also agree with what Dan says about being a crowd favorite. I'm, I'm starting to warm to songs that are a crowd favorite. I, I think the according is, is, is amazing and so uniquely Counting Crows. And I remember the first time I saw Omaha live and Emmy did play that, you know, that mandolin part, the mm. little stringing in the middle. And I was like, OK, this is going to be a great concert. They have all the little touches. I mean, they do some of the little important touches, but at the same time, change things also right that they kind of have that that great mix so i had that and, and the you know I, the only thing i'll say about omaha and i had it number six that i am not sure how or why that song works right there's other songs that you're like hey i know why this is great and why this is a single i wouldn't i mean it's funny that jeremy said that about it being a single because i probably wouldn't have chose it as a single if i was a record exec 
but yeah, somehow the song works. Uh, so a genius to the crows there. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. So no other comments about Omaha. Let's move to number nine. And this one, well, this one was one of the few universal, although one person had it a little higher, but it was kind of universally about the same ranking, which is time and time again. So let's go with Dan on that. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's, you know, it it's good, but it's not on the top in the top list for me. It, it almost, I mean, I don't participate, but it, it reminds me of like a stoner song, the sort of thing you'd have on and you were just chilling out and, um, yeah, but it's, uh, yeah. Stop. It's not near the top for me. Jeremy, what about yourself? Time and time again? I actually had that one as number nine as well. And I think, you know, high school me loved this song. It, it just sounds like a kind of a typical breakup song. But the longer, the more time has passed and you've heard some of these other breakup songs and relationship songs that Adam has done. Uh, this one just feels so inferior compared to some of those. Um, I, what I do really love about it, though, is uh, the, the line I wanted to see you walking backwards to get the sensation of you coming home. I think mm. that's a great line. Um, it's just not not in one of his better songs, in my opinion. Yep, no, that, that is a classic line. How about you, Chris? Ooh, so like, first one rhyme a little bit off the uh, off the group here because I have this number five. I have always I, I really love this song and I love the music to this song. The, the outros to it, the bridges, the, like the when are you coming home bridge is, is pretty great. And the way it kind of plays out. I have a really distinct recollection of seeing this song at a show in uh, in Hershey, Pennsylvania in 2006. And maybe because probably the kind of the first time I had like really, really good tickets part of it. But like, and just that whole show, I, I'm sure if you listen back to it, you'd go, this is a pretty, uh, just a normal show. But maybe where my mind was at the time. That, so, that show just really hit me like a train and particularly time and time again really like hit me like a, like a ton of bricks. Yeah, I, I think it's great. And it's actually, it's interesting. I asked my wife last night. I was like, just out of curiosity, what's your number one on this record? And she she had this number one. Wow. So I, I would imagine, again, this is where, you know, literally everyone's going to have hate mail for all of us probably, or at least uh, hopefully not hate mail, but <laughs> a negative, a disagreeing comment. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a, a great song and just a, a like a, a glimpse into sort of the the genius of how these songs are uniquely kind of constructed that like they could have these these the way they move. It's so unique in that regard. But yeah, with you, I had that, you know, I think for a while this moved up a little bit on mine. I, I think and I appreciate your thoughts. I think when I was younger, this might have been the lowest ranked song and it's kind of moved up. I had it number nine. Uh, so. Yeah, I think, Chris, you kind of summed up what I like about the um, song. I mean, I do, I have to admit, is, is I know that, you know, people that don't like the Counting Crows kind of say, oh, Adam's kind of whiny in that album and stuff. And, and, and never, I, of course, love uh, the singing. But, you know, starting off the I wanted so badly, right, that either that either really hits you, right, mm -hmm. that there's somebody other than me staring back at me, that's either going to hit you and be like, wow, this is powerful, or like, oh, what's he whining about? He's a rock star. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And um, I mean, the line that kind the only line on the whole album that kind of makes me laugh, and he actually does kind of a fake laugh in it, right, is that, and I walk on water every chance I get. And he said, like, I walk on water, and then he's like, ha, every chance I get or something. Mm -hmm. So, 
Yeah. So th- thanks, thanks, Chris. That's how I feel about. It. Also, I'll say a good concert opener when they've used that. They have occasionally used that as an opener, and I've actually always liked that as a like way into mm. the show. Actually, I like a. I will say, as we'll maybe talk more about this. I like a lot of these songs as intro songs to, to the show. I think a lot of them, for whatever reason, work really well in that space. But I think "Time and Time Again" is one of the one of the good ones for that. Yeah, I would like to see. It. I, I and I wish I'm going to check that. This is the, another song I don't think I ever saw. You know, my 15 shows or whatever, or 20 shows. I don't think I ever saw it live at all. I'd have to, I'd have to check that. Um, okay, so moving to number eight, getting closer. Here we go. Now, this is the first one that, well, actually, it wasn't all over the place. Two people had it quite low, and two people had it in the middle. So that's how it ends up in number eight, which is Perfect Blue Buildings. Let's start with Dan. Yeah, that's funny, because I had that at my number 10. You know, it's it's a good song, but it just wasn't in that, you know, that top list for me. Jeremy, any thoughts on Perfect Blue Buildings? You had it uh, quite Hi, this is the first time the list has been off of your uh, different than yeah. your list. Yeah, I was a uh, I was number five on this one, and I think kind of the opposite of how it was with time and time again. You know, the the younger version of me would have really not been into this song, but the more I guess life experience I've gotten and the more things I've been through, it's kind of climbed up the list. And it just to me, it it speaks to depression and longing and uh, almost a little bit of self loathing. Um, which, you know, doesn't make for the happiest theme for a song, but I do think it it brings a lot of meaning, um, kind of gives you a picture into some of the things that Adam was going through when he when he wrote this song. You know, like, I can't keep myself away from me. You know, mm. you're, you're your own worst enemy sometimes, and that's that's kind of where this song, you know, lands with me. So I, I like it. It's not upbeat. It's not something you want to, you know, sing along to in the car all the time, uh, but you know, when you're sitting around listening to to music by yourself, it uh it just kind of resonates with me. All right, great point, Chris. What about yeah, you? Yeah, I had this. I'm with you. I'm with you, Jeremy. I had this at number four, and I'm I'm with you on sort of the way. I don't know. The song makes you feel, and and if you have again, if you if you connect to this song, I think it's a really sort of beautiful expression of that feeling of again being kind of self defeating um, in some ways, and really kind of questioning. You know, you're yourself in that regard i think there was a time i think there's pretty sure it's this one there's an early bootleg where he says adam says this is his favorite song on the record now i'm I'm sure that's changed a few times since you know august of 1993 but you know it was one of adam's favorites sort of at at the beginning uh i think i'm also a little influenced here by sort of how good the song is live how beautiful the the sometimes it snows in april into what became miller's angels Mm -hmm. outro is I remember when they started going back to that, and I want to say it was 2007, they started doing that again after, after it, certainly not having played the song very much. It is, by the way, just above Ghost Train. And time and time again is just above Perfect Blue Buildings okay. in terms of live plays. But when they went back to that, I lost my mind when they went into the, the outro. I was like, oh, shoot, he's doing it. He's doing it. He's doing it. But again, kind of a weird thing to sing along to, but screaming, you know, about how you haven't gone outside in a day, um, you know. It, but it's a, I mean, that's it's that's I think part of what I love about that song. I've always imagined it. I think it'd be interesting to really hear that stripped down acoustic, which they have not done very much. But I think there's something right. really plaintive and beautiful that you can find there. Yeah, he did. I know he's he's talked about this in concert. Like you said, I th- did he also say once that it was like the hardest 
to record or to get right. There was something like it was the last one they record or I think that's Omaha. Actually, I think Omaha they played. I think is the one they played a million times as a story that they like just could not get right. If you hear the demo, it's one of the few. Yeah, the Omaha demo and the final version are different songs. Right. Yeah. Or it might have been the writing of this was a difficult. Mm. There's something I think even in Town Hall he actually intros it a little by saying some kind of difficulty or some kind of special or as you said that he definitely liked it. Uh, quite a bit from that first career. Okay, great. I I had it. I have to admit, I had it. I was the only one, I guess. I had it ranked uh, lowest. Uh, Perfect Blue Building. So yeah, that was Where'd my number it? eleven. Ooh, it was okay. number eleven for me. So yeah, I do like Perfect Blue Buildings, and um, yeah, it, it's a great song. But just compared to everything else, uh, it's always been a little lower. Okay. Maybe you're just less sad than the rest of us. Oh yeah, well wait till you hear. Oh wait, yeah. Well, what, what, once we get to, once we get to number twenty, you'll be sending me flowers <laughs> and, and and making sure I cannot touch booze or something. I don't know. So let's go into uh, number seven. Yeah, here we go. This one, um, okay. A couple people had it in the middle. One person had it relatively low, and then one person had it relatively high, which is raining in Baltimore. Let's start with Dan. Yeah, this was my number nine. It's a great moody song, right? And um, for me, it, I can imagine the location when he's sort of talking about the, the lyrics and stuff. But it just wasn't one of the killer ones. Jeremy, what about yourself? Yeah, I had this one at, at number eight, personally. And this was really the part of the list where it started getting difficult for me. I think kind of the middle section where they could have gone anywhere, but I really had to listen to them again. And just try to get my thoughts straight on them. And I think this one I can relate to a little bit because I've moved around a lot in my life. And there are those times when you're just sitting there thinking about, you know, where you came from and the people you miss and the things you miss. And, you know, to me, when I hear him say repeatedly, I need a raincoat. I look at that as you need something to shield yourself from some of the painful memories that you had. But then you also need the phone call to to bring you back to some of the good memories. And, uh, it just, uh, I, I really like the song. I, I think it's one of their their better ones on the album, even though I had it ranked all the way down there at number eight. <laughs> yeah, see, I'm already questioning my ranking as we're talking about. <laughs> stay tuned next week. We'll re-rank everything. I'm, I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay where I'm at. Chris, what about you, Chris? So again, I think I'm the high vote here. I had this at number three. This is, and again, part of this is. Well, I love the song in a lot of different ways, right? I think the piano version that is on the record is incredible. I think Adam is an underrated piano player. He's not a, a technically amazing piano player, but there's a bit, uh, I always think if there's a, a Jenny Lewis comment from someone, but like, we'll get someone better to play the piano in this. Like, no, 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 like you, you have to do it. You have to feel it, you know, cause you feel this out. And I think when you hear him play piano in this, it's like you hear him, sort of getting mm. that aspect of it like this the lyrics going with his playing i think yes. is part of why and just the again the the connection that feeling of 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 disconnection and that need for I, yeah i i don't know that like i need i need a raincoat right you know you need you, all all i want is something to cover me and something to to keep me warm i love it in the middle of rain king i think the two songs fit together so beautifully I, I actually, and I like it in the middle of round here too. They've done it in round here. I like it. I look a little better in ranking, but I like it in round here. Have you ever heard it played 
the piano album version? See, yes. I don't think I have. Okay. 2008. Okay. Bowery Ballroom. <laughs> Ballroom, right? Which I was pretty overseas. sure that's the only one because like, they didn't. They played it in '97 a bunch, and there's some okay. good video from some of those versions where it's just it's actually beautifully lit. It's Adam at the piano and like Charlie's playing uh, accordion, and they have like kind of a beautifully like kind of very soft lighting on it with like a like a lamp post kind of mm. thing, and it's really really cool. If you look up the one. It's like Devore, California, which I know I have up on YouTube. Which that's, that's near me, by the way. Yeah. So, which I didn't know. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So that's, um, yeah, that's a great, that's a great concert. I forgot that they played that in that one. Yeah. That's, and, and so that's, it is, it works real well that way as well. I've always loved the story actually behind this one, right? Which is that he wrote this intending to give it to, I think it's Bonnie Raitt and T-Bone oh. Burnett. <laughs> T-Bone Burnett heard him like working on this in the recording studio and like recorded. And he was like, he's like, what's that? You haven't played this. Oh, I'm going to give that. That's for like Bonnie Raitt. And he's like, hell you are. That's not, that's going on the record. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and T-Bone. And it's, it's interesting because T-Bone Burnett, he probably could have gotten it to Bonnie Raitt if he wanted it to, but he was like, no, 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 you should, you should keep this one. The only other thing I'll say about this one, personal memory I have find this song very comforting. And when I was a, I was a college debater, so I was sitting at, as at George Washington University at, before one of the biggest rounds I was ever going to have. I was working on something, what we were going to do. And there's like, we're in this like student center, right? And so over off to the side, there's a, a piano and there's a kid just kind of tapping out, raining in Baltimore on piano. And my partner's like, oh, I can't hear anything. And I'm like, hmm. No, this is a good sign. This is a very, very good sign. It's gonna be. It's gonna be okay. I know we feel like real nervous right now, but this song's playing. It's, it's gonna be good. And so, and we did. We went and won that round. So, I've always had a sort of a, a personal sort of appreciation for it. It's actually weirdly, the other weird thing about the song. It is in karaoke books. So if you want to go to karaoke <laughs> and really just crush the energy of the room like if if someone's right, right. just saying like leaving and everyone's <laughs> exactly. up high you can just walk up and just start singing raining in baltimore just to really crush the energy that is an option in many karaoke books in this country just fyi that, that that's fantastic although i that's why i love having different opinions because i would say this is the one song what did you call it comforting comforting that, yeah yeah i find about seven songs on here comforting that would not be one i find comforting at all <laughs> and in fact one of the reasons i ranked it where it did i was like oh that was the first counting crow song that wasn't on the first listen maybe a year into it that made me cry so thank you and i still i think comforting in that in a good way but like making <laughs> yeah, you cry I know, in a, I know. No. Yeah. Well, what made you cry about it? I don't know, but I will say that um, although I was laughing today because in the social media world he might have to change it, but I know the "I need a phone call" line it, it gets gets gives me the feels, if you were. Um, now it might be I need a text message, or it might be I need a phone call because everybody only does text mm -hmm. messages, so maybe you need a real phone call. Yeah. Yeah, I just love the PA. You know, it's funny. I guess I knew that there were. I, I, yeah, definitely one of my first favorite songs that someone is just on the piano and kind of saw. And I was, yeah, I, I was kind of blown away. I had it, uh, although not one of my top five, I had it, um, uh, there we go. I had number seven. So, so about in the middle. 
but uh, yeah, I love ranking in Baltimore. Maybe it's lost a little luster to me, and I'd love, to, but I'd love to see it live. Also, okay. interesting, I'd say relative oh, yeah. to Omaha, you know, in songs that work in sort of odd ways, right? I remember talking to someone about this song, and he, Adam hits the line. It's like I can always hear a freight train if I listen real hard, yeah. and I'm like, oh, that's so good. And someone's like, why? <laughs> why is that good? And I'm like. I don't know, but it is like, it's just, it's the exact right thing to say, but yeah, it's not like a, a lot of it lyrically is not clear why it works, but it, it evoke it's to put Jeremy's point, right. It evokes something that is so pick, like it's a picture. I don't know. Yep. It's a, yeah. No, that's right. All right. We're going to, we're going to keep going. We're, we're, gonna, we're, we're moving along. So I'm, I'm going to keep going with the list. Uh, we are now at number six. So right in the middle and most of us had this in the middle, but one person had it a little lower, uh, and that would be number six, the the uh, capper, if you will, Murder of One. Let's start with Dan. Yeah, this is number four for me. It's uh, it's higher. I just love this song, especially live. You know, for me, it's a great way to kind of close out the album. And uh, I think I'm right in saying there was a lot of pressure on the band for this to be the first single. Uh, and it didn't become the first single, but yeah, just just a super cool song. How many? How, and you've seen it live a number of times. I know you yeah. haven't played it too much recently. Yeah, just fond memories of seeing it live. Oh, that that that, that that's fantastic, Jeremy. What about you? Yeah, so I had this one at number seven, and this was another tough one because I really do love the song, and this is one I'll rock out to in the car and and sing along. You know, one thing I really love about this one is the wordplay on the title. Right. So mm. obviously, you know, a murder is the term for a group of crows. So he's talking about being a murder of one. So solo, but also, you know, the song to me is speaking about maybe living your life for the wrong reasons and for the wrong people. And all these things that we think are so important in the moment, they kind of turn out to be meaningless at the end of the day. Um, and you waste your life on these wrong things and then you end up alone. Um, so you're a murder of one because you're alone, but you also end up, you know, murdering who you could have been. So I kind of like that kind of the dual meanings of the the title of the song to me. And I don't know if I'm the only one that feels that way, but that's OK. Uh, no, absolutely. Chris. No, I, I and so I'm a low vote on this. I hit number nine, although I also, again, love this one of those classic like I don't I love this song. It just didn't seem to hit above certain other things. Part of it, I was trying to think about how much. I should let the live versions of this of the songs influence my rankings. It's hard not I was to let having it. the same issue. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Both, and, both, both live like the CDs, right? Like you might like the Heineken and then live that you've seen live. So you have both of those things. Right. And I think that it's it's hard because I, I love this song live. It's it's so incredible and the energy that it brings. And but part of it is sometimes the the different versions. And I was listening to the um just the deluxe edition this week and it's like well this is it's incredible i mean it's a 15 minute that that version from paris it's like a 15 minute version of the song and it's so far beyond what the original is right and it's like am i ranking sort of ranking the sorted humor song doris day too like i don't know so that's where this oh, kind right. of dropped like the song sort of on its own sort of fell down a little bit the list as i was looking at it but the song as like part of the catalog and certainly as part of a, the live catalog i is incredible so I, I no disrespect there i just you know didn't uh didn't get all the way up there but i'm with you 
and Dan, I'm with you. I also had it number four. And out of the top six songs for me, I almost didn't know what to comment about it, except that I just think it's a great song. And I know for a fact, I think I've only seen it live maybe two two or three times. I know I loved it. But I know for a fact, uh, Chris, to answer your question, that the that the live from a 10 spot version has did affect my vote. And that mm. moved. I mean, I don't want it to, but I know it did. And when he mentions, I mean, I do think, too, one thing that cracks me up about this song is I don't know how he gets away with. And it's so natural of naming your own band in the song in a first <laughs> album. And somehow it does not come across as too excessive or egotistical or anything. It, that that is amazing to me. Do you have any comments about them, them mentioning Counting Crows in one of their songs? It's yeah, you're right. It's an incredible bit. Like it's incredible that he kind of pulls that off. I also I always like live that like when in that that outro about I've been to Paris, I've been to Rome, I've gone to London, yeah. you know, that you can kind of get like Adam's like vibe of of the time wh about whether he screams I am all alone or I am not yes. alone. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> I I was thinking the exact same thing. Well, that's the end of part one of our ranking and review of August and everything after. As I said before, part two coming up in a couple of weeks. Until then, we look forward to seeing you down here on Sullivan Street. Oh, oh.